a Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. This episode, we are speaking with Dr. Stephanie Estima about her new book, The Betty Body. We ask her about who Betty is and how she actually came to be. We talk with her about how our culture is based a lot on the male circadian rhythms and that actually women aren't little men, so it's not necessarily appropriate. We ask her how we can actually pinpoint in our cycle what we need at certain times. We talk about keto, why muscle mass is so important, and of course, a whole bunch more. We know you're going to love this next episode of The Wellness Collective. Cecilia, how are you feeling at the moment? Well, yeah, okay. (laughs) How are you feeling in your body? When's the last time you actually checked in? Last night. And you know why? Because I went to the theatre, which was an amazing experience going into a space with so many people so close. What did you see? I saw about 10 minutes of a show. What do you mean 10 minutes? Well, I went with my daughter and she hasn't been feeling very well on an ongoing basis. And we sat down in the theatre and I looked at her and I said, are you okay? And she went, "Mm mm-hmm. And then as soon as it started, she started crying and said, I don't feel well, I can't stay. So 10 minutes of the theatre, but really, given that that's the first time I've stepped into a Mm theatre in over 12 months, it was probably enough, Mm -hmm. really. But also, I tried on a dress last night and I went... Oh, so that fitted me before a bit nicer than it does now. So, um, yeah, I checked in last night yeah, and I think it's probably time We've been to... locked up and, you know, mm. I was saying to my trainer yesterday how good I felt pre-2020 mm. and then you try and do things but you don't know what things are working and what's not and then we get older and things change yeah. again. And there's so much chocolate that sneaks into your life that you don't even <laughs> think is there. That's I an don't issue have I a have. sweet too. I don't either. But it's there and I'm like, oh, I just have a cup of tea. I'll just have a little bit of that. Right. Get yeah, rid well, of it. <laughs> we have someone that's joining us today that might be able to help us I a do little bit. So. Exactly. We want to invite, and, um, I was going to say invite to the stage, but we are not on a stage. Well, sort of. <laughs> the studio, but you can share the mic with us. Stephanie Stimmer, thank you so much for joining us. Maybe you could start with just telling our listeners who you are and what you do. Well, I am just thrilled to be here with you. I just love your banter and I'm just, I could just sit back here and listen to you guys talk. That would be also just as fun, but. Well, you've got a hundred other episodes. You can just sit back and, you know, you you can't get sick of us. (laughs) But thank you. That's Uh, kind. So uh, what I do is I am a woman's hormone and metabolic and body composition nerd. So I love to geek out on female physiology, pathophysiology, when hormones go awry and how we can use natural proxies like nutrition, like movement, like supplementation, like working with the female psyche to begin to attune with and get into our bodies as uh, as you mentioned uh, that you did yesterday and how we can just begin to check in and learn her language and learn, you know, how she, how our bodies talk to us. I often say, you know, sort of jokingly, it would be so nice if our livers could just like send us a text, mm. you know, or start a room on Clubhouse and be like, hey, you know what? Like this isn't working, you know, but we, ha- <laughs> we have to learn how to, you know, attune and listen to the way that our body talks to us. So decoding that is sort of my, where I, where I like to play. I think the hard part is it's always changing as well. You know, there's the certain fundamentals that are always there, but then we change. We go through a different phase, whether it's pre-children, then 
through children and raising children and then our bodies change again as we get older and we're in perimenopause and then... And then a pandemic comes along. I know, right? Chuck that in the mix. And so you have a new book and it's called The Betty Body and I'm so excited to learn how did you come up with the name The Betty Body? What is The Betty Body? Like, I love it, but is I want to... Is it wanted- The Flintstones? <laughs> That is actually really great. I love that. So um, the Betty body, the title of the book, uh, you know, as you, as you know, Nat, I know you're an author as well. You put so much love into the content of the book and I, you know, like you have spent probably the, the same amount of time thinking about the title. And the name sort of grew organically out of my own podcast. So I have a podcast that you are going to be on as well. It's called Bet. Well, we've already recorded the the conversation. I just have to release it. It's called Better with Dr. Stephanie. And we started calling the fans of the Better Show our Bettys. So Better Bettys. And it just was a really, you know, it, it, it spoke to my vintage heart. So like Betty from the Flintstones, as you just mentioned, <laughs> Betty Davis, Betty White, you know, it was, it's oh, very... You know, and she, I think she just turned, yeah, did she, she just turned 99 or 100? I think she did. Everyone she needs did. to be more Betty yes. White, don't we? More Betty White. I agree. So it speaks to my vintage heart. And then what I did was I went to Urban Dictionary, the, you know, the standard for science and literature, right? It's like the, what what's the slangs? And in, if you look it up, if you look up Betty in the Urban Dictionary, it describes the perfect archetype of woman I want to work with. So they, I'm paraphrasing, but it says something like she's a modern day triple threat. She's intelligent. She's quirky. She's loving. She can, you know, she's beautiful on the inside and on the outside. And I said, that's the type of person that I, I myself aspire to be. I aspire to be that Betty, to be quirky and loving and to be, you know, all in for personal development. And also again, with that vintage heart, little, you know, mesh. So it it just became Sticky. And then anytime we ha- we received a review on the podcast, we would have people say, I'm a Betty. I want to be a Betty. So, you know, it, it just so sort of grew into its own thing. So we were like, well, let's, t- let's talk about the Betty body. Perfect. And that's, that's, well, yeah. Steph will I, like our tagline, but she's you're not going to hear it until later. Oh, okay. I just wanted to say, I'm glad you didn't call it the Karen body because that might not have worked <laughs> as well in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Karens. Although everywhere. I know I know some lovely women who are named Karens, and they're just having the most difficult time now. It's like, yes, my name is Karen. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's changed it to Kaz all of a sudden. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so funny. But I love how you say um, in a lot of the, I guess, social media posts that you've shared, and in the lead up to the release of this book, that we forget that we're not little men. And so much of what we've been Mm. conditioned in terms of what we need to do for ourselves and our bodies and our hormones as women is actually not based on what we need as women. How did this discovery for you come about? I'm sure, you know, you've got years of expertise in the industry, but it's obviously been something that you've seen. And then what does that mean then? If we've been getting it wrong, what do we need to start to do to get it right? Yeah, these are great questions. So I would say that for me, I spent years personally following, you know, all the gurus, you know, all the, you know, the fasting gurus. I'm very well known for, you know, the ketogenic diet and fasting. And we've talked about this in past, uh, you know, conversations as well, both online and offline. And when I first was introduced to some of these concepts around the ketogenic diet and fasting and intermittent fasting, and of course, all the research that was available was 
done by men for men. And I don't, I should also say that I don't think that that was done intentionally. I think that generally women have been traditionally excluded from research because our menstrual cycle is actually considered a confounding variable in many ways. It's like- There is a whole book about this. Have you read it? I think Carolina Christina Perez, I think is the author. And it's about how pretty much everything in our entire world is designed for men. From chairs to cars, crash test dummies are based on men's bodies, not women's bodies. Even corporate, even the corporate culture, right? So when we think about the male cycle of hormones, men have lots of testosterone in the morning. So that's when there's like, they get up early, they do their, you know, 5am workout, and then they go to the office early, get ahead of it. And then as their testosterone begins to wane in the sort of late afternoon, that's when you have happy hour. That's when you have meetings. That's when they're more (laughs) chatty. So even corporate culture, and what we've been taught about what it means to be successful is based on very much male circadian rhythms and male biology. And there's there's nothing like I love men, right? This is not an anti-male, no. you know, message. But I, I do think that there is a time and a place for women to come into our own and to understand that we are not little men. Mm. And I did this for years, as I was saying. So in the keto world, in the fasting world, I would see you know, Dom D'Agostino and Mark Sisson and all these men that I absolutely love and honor. And they were doing multi-day fasts. And I read about uh, Dominic D'Agostino doing like a seven-day fast and then going back into the gym and bench pressing like 500 pounds. And I was like, I'm strong. I can, I was going <laughs> to do that too. You know, so I'm going to go for a seven-day fast. And I felt like a bag of bones. Like I couldn't, and of course, and then my menstrual cycle for, you know, months after that was just like not the way that it should have Mm. been. So it really was my own personal experience where I was like, you know, there's something about this that doesn't feel right. And I I wish I, I had a paper, but it was just intuition. And maybe that's more of the feminine sort of coming up in me to, uh, to have that discovery. And then there was this one, I write about this in the book. There's this one trip that I took to Italy with my family and leading up to this trip, you know, I had gone through a really difficult divorce. You said like all the difficult things in life you mentioned, I was like, yep. And divorce is in there with like two small children. It was very difficult. You know, I have a great relationship with, with their father now, but when you're separating, I mean, it's hard. It's, you know, it's heartbreaking. So there was that. And then my clinic at the time also had burnt down. So I had two big things. So my professional, like it was literally flattened. I had to go find another temporary spot and then rebuild it out. And my menstrual cycle leading up to this trip for years, really, like I was the classic estrogen dominant woman. I had the angry breasts. I had the tender joints. I had the sleep disturbances, the moodiness, the irritability. And it really wasn't until I changed my environment and I started living a little bit more in a way that was more attuned to the way that my body required me to live. So that was sleeping in when I needed it. We would wake up in the morning and I would go walk to get my you know, cappuccino and we'd have our breakfast. We'd go for walks on the beach, all these types of things. And on that trip towards the end of it, I got my period. And normally that would have been like the, the worst. I would be holed up in the hotel room, you know, the mask on, the Advil, you know, the, the medication in the background, sort of trying to silence the symptoms. But this was the first time that I experienced 
you know, dare I say it, like glorious, you know, glorious, easy, beautiful, goddess-like menstrual. I felt like a goddess. So I was like, oh, okay, it's here. Let's, that's fine. And, you know, we'll kind of deal with it. And then it left. And so it really got me on this quest to understand my own biology. And then I brought it back to my practice back in Toronto, where I was practicing at the time. And I started you know, thankfully my, my female patients allowed me to be, they, they were my guinea pigs. And uh, so several years in, in sort of like fine tuning protocols and changing, you know, foods in terms of where they were in their cycle and how they were training based on where they were in their cycle and how to change the fasting and all that kind of stuff. And this book is really the, you know, the culmination of, of that work. I think it's so interesting, just as a side comment, why does everything happen all at once? Yeah. <laughs> it burns so down. True. Divorce. Like it's yeah. just, it seems yeah. to be, I can, you know, a lot of what you say I can relate to because it's just like all or nothing. Mm. And we, I think we have to remember that sometimes, again, as women, that, you know, when things, when all of that does blow up, our bodies are going to be impacted by that. Our bodies are going to, and so they should be. That's how we're designed. I can't tell you the number of messages, especially of late, that women will say, oh, you know, I haven't had a period. Is there something wrong? Do I need to rush to the to the doctor? Do I need to do tests? And really, we've disconnected from how our environment shapes how our body mm, responds. What else has been going whether on? Whether it's that there's a whole lot of stress through clinic fires and divorces and whatever, <laughs> or right, or <laughs> whatever it might be, we really still go back to, oh, there's something wrong with me. When in fact, we, your body's we actually do doing. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to do under the circumstances, actually working for you. But we really don't see that so often. I think it's hard when you're in the the mix of it too to to be able to disconnect and be objective, uh, I feel, definitely. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that women are so quick to jump to blaming themselves, right? Like they will try a program, like some diet or some fitness thing, or you see some influencer on Instagram or whatever, drinking some, Yeah, no, you just you know, got to stop at that. Of tea. Nah, nah. Yeah, and yeah. they're like, you know, it's uh, there must be something wrong with me. It didn't work for me. It worked for her. And it's like, well, no, maybe where you were in your life, or maybe the program wasn't adapted to where your biology. I think we see this across the board with women and we jump to something's wrong with me. I'm broken. There's some, you know, I need to go to the emergency because I haven't had a period or I, you know, I've had patients and clients come to me literally, and I'm sure you can relate to this with like tens of thousands of dollars worth of tests. Like they have the Cyrex, they have all the panels, all the things, all the things. And they have not mastered the foundational basics. They're not moving. They don't have low grade movement. They will maybe do one specialized movement, like some exercise for one hour, some soul sucking, crazy exercise. And then they sit for the rest of the day or they're not, they're not attuned with, or they don't have a fridge full of vegetables. Instead they have like the takeout or the things like that. And, and, and I'll, I'll say that's not a judgment call, right? Like sometimes we need to order the pizza. Like sometimes it's warranted. <laughs> but I think that when you don't master the foundational basics, I think that some of these more sophisticated inquiries like the panels, like the lab work, it's going to tell you kind of what you already know, that mm. you're not living in alignment with what your cells require and expect of you. Do you actually ask your patients to bring a photo of their fridge as a first point of call? <laughs> Might be something no. that you need to do. No. What's in your fridge? <laughs> All right, maybe the mayonnaise needs to go over there. And yeah, <laughs> I think uh, with that in mind, 
so often we can want to pin our hat on there being this one mm. problem and this one thing right. and how right. confronting it might be that it's the sum of a lot of little things that are actually well, it's a bit impacting. overwhelming. I was going to actually ask you about that, Stephanie, about when you were talking about before the biology and, and all of the parts and how, you know, your where you are in your cycle, how that changes what you need. How precise mm. do you need to be with this stuff? Because I actually feel quite overwhelmed by the concept that I need to be aware of each day what's happening in my body and adjust accordingly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's certainly a fluidity and an ease with that as well. I don't think that it should be like, well, it's six, mm. day six, hour 12. That means <laughs> I can't do this. You know, every everybody, you know, and everybody, you know, as you know, we also don't have the same cycle. It can range anywhere from 26 days to, you know, 32. I still don't so there's, know. There's, Still don't know. Don't pay attention. Well, you might need to note it down to know. Because if you're not noting it down, how are you going to know? But I don't really need to, so I've never noticed. <laughs> anyway, sorry, carry on. <laughs> so for, I mean, there, there's certainly what I have put forth in this book is recommendations for people to try on. So it's almost like, here's a really great, you know, it's like your, you know, your favorite pair of jeans or like your favorite dress. Like when you put it on, it just like hugs your curves. You stand up a little taller. You're a little bit more confident. What I'm trying to propose is try on these jeans. Like maybe they'll become your favorite pair. Like try them on, wear them in. And over time, you'll be able to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. And I would not never have the hubris to assume that my book is the be all and the end all. And if you don't follow it, it's day six, hour 12. You're not doing, you know, week one protocol like that, that it's not going to work for you. As with anything, there's a yin and there's a yang. There's a masculine and there's a feminine, there's a softness and there's a hardness. So there's there's definitely flow as you go through your cycle and there's general recommendations that can happen in each week. So we sort of break it into, like generally I break mm. it into four weeks, not, not 28 days. It's usually, here's what's happening generally in week one. Here's what's happening in week two. And here's how you might modify from week two to week one, et cetera. So there's suggestions and there's recommendations in there for you to follow and to try on. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. Can we talk about keto? I've talked with Nat previously about last year and a couple of years ago, I did a, a challenge with Nat. She was like, oh, I just do it. No, okay, I did it. And I, where I had started cutting some things <laughs> out of my diet that I'd never done before. And it did have a big impact in that I felt less inflammation and that kind of thing. And it, and it really brought some awareness to me that there was a different way. It was pretty straightforward. You know, you get over three days of not having, you know, a piece of bread for breakfast and all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, I've got this. This is all right. And maybe it's a change that I can do. And I did have a look at trying keto, but I felt overwhelmed. I was like, oh, I don't know. I feel like that's too much. Does it? Mm-hmm. Is it the sort of thing that is easy to sort of get into and is it worthwhile for everybody to try? How do you know if it's good for you or not? Oh, that's a great question. We can get super nerdy on this great. or let's super do it. not. I'll, yeah. Let's ner- get super nerdy. Nerd it. Okay. Let's do it. Let's geek out together. Mm. Okay. So I would I would say that when we when we think about 
the mechanisms, the pathways that we have in the body. There's two main pathways for energetic production. So now you and I, we're sitting here across from each other. We're talking every single second. We are creating ATP, which is the energetic currency that allows us to contract our, you know, muscles in our mouths and smile and, you know, have all this, have this interaction. So there's two main ways that we produce energy. One is through glucose, which is basically the breakdown of carbohydrates from either exogenously from your diet or you know from stored glucose in the body which is called glycogen so that's one way and the other way the other main pathway is by breaking down your fat uh, stores so or your adipose tissue which is actually the proper name for it mm-hmm. so when we when we think about our adipose tissue it's stored energy so it's it's basically like we've put it on the shelf for a rainy day so if you've had too much pizza or too much you know in the pandemic you've been chowing down on bread or whatever it is, your body is going to keep that on your body for a rainy day. So for most of us, most of the time, we are in this sugar burning mode or this glycolytic mode, meaning the breakdown of glucose to make energy. And it's great. Our brain always needs some form of glucose. It can never fully run on you know, ketone bodies or fat. It always needs you know, at least some glucose to run properly. But I love the idea of being metabolically flexible. And it's not just a feeling that I have. I don't just love it. It's, there's, there's actually quite a bit of literature and, and benefits behind it. And when I say ketogenic, that is, you know, we all call it sort of keto. But when you think of the word, it's the generation of ketone bodies. So ketogenic, which is the energy substrate or it's the precursor to making that energy. So instead of using sugar or using glucose, you can use ketone bodies and that is going to drive all the same things that glucose might. But one of the advantages that it has is that it does not produce the same amount of oxidative byproducts or the same amount of inflammation that glucose does as it goes through uh, the Krebs cycle. And I know I might be bringing up some like nightmares from from high school biology for some. Yeah, from the Krebs cycle. But we want to be thinking about ketone bodies because it's a clean source of energy. You're a lot of women who, when we think about women in their 40s, mid 40s, and into menopause, a lot of the complaints that we often hear, things like brain fog, feeling inflamed, feeling slow, digestive issues. A lot of times when you are running on ketone bodies for some of the time, and we'll kind of get to why I don't think we sh- women should be in ketosis all the time in just a moment, but first we should be in it some of the time, it is going to help clear up the brain fog, is going to reduce some of the oxidative damage or the inflammation that your body will naturally produce when it is producing or when it's running on glucose. And it also helps with digestive repair. So a lot of women will complain of, particularly when I was estrogen dominant, like very, uh, when I wasn't managing my estrogen clearance well, I had a lot of digestive upset. So in that second half of my menstrual cycle, which is referred to as the luteal phase, lots of distension, lots of sluggishness, lots of bloating. And when you have ketone bodies, and maybe we'll be able to talk today about resistant starches, when we use resistant starches, as well as running on a ketogenic diet, you are able to facilitate gut repair and gut healing. So I love the idea of a woman to be able to kind of switch you know, kind of depending on how she's doing from being a sugar burner to being a fat burner. And I think that that confers a metabolic advantage because 
sometimes, you know, if you've ever, you know, you guys, before we started recording, like, well, I've had just dropped the kids off and I've just done this and I've done all these things before we started recording. Sometimes you may not necessarily have the time to sit down and make yourself a proper meal. Mm. But if you are metabolically flexible, you're going to have a little bit more leeway because your body will say, oh, I know this. We're in a fasted state. So I can just kind of flip over and use some of my adipose tissue right now until the next meal is coming. So you don't get that hangry, which is like that hunger and anger that sort of come together when you are primarily just a sugar burner. When you can enable some of these pathways to start breaking down your adipose tissue to create ketone bodies, then you can, you know, you have this sort of steady, stable energy. And it's really, really great for brain health. So how do we know when we switch? Because obviously to be in a state of ketosis, it takes several days to get us into that state. So I think this is where Correct. a lot of us mm. a lot of us sort of go, oh, hang on, I've just finally I'm got confused. myself into where a state I? of ketosis. Now you're telling me that I'm going to come out of that state and then I've got to wait to get back into that state. And are there better yeah. times in our cycle or better times in our lives that that would be more appropriate than others? So if you are first starting keto, I love for you to ha- start with a with a nutritional, uh, like a therapeutic intervention of ketosis where you're not just in it for one week, but rather you stay there for one full cycle. So I call it, you know, it's a 28 day cycle, call it one month, right? So you do this one month cycle where you are trying to stay in ketosis for that one month. And for some women, and actually I would say several women, you need like two or three cycles of that. So like two to three months where you are staying in that zone of ketosis so that you can build up that metabolic flexibility so that it doesn't take you three days to get in there. So once you kind of get, you know, those cogs on the wheel turning, so to speak, you kind of developed that ability to switch relatively seamlessly, you can get into ketosis in a day. And we define like typically, you know, ketosis is also like one of the things I love about the ketogenic diet is it's the only diet that I'm aware of that has a biomarker to measure, right? Like there's no vegan biomarker or Mm. paleo, you know, so we're measuring ketone bodies. So typically a minimum amount of, you know, what's considered to be in ketosis is 0.5 millimoles per liter. Uh, So you can, you know, use urine strips or that's sort of the cheapest way. The other way is just to sort of go on based on how you feel. But if you're a data nerd like me, urine strips, you can do breath (laughs) analyzers. There's also blood, there's also blood tests that you can take as well. So I liked the initial offering for someone, for a woman when she's, playing around or experimenting with ketosis is to actually go through at least one full cycle or 28 days of uh, a female-focused ketogenic diet. And then from there, we can play with cycling in and out based on her weeks because then it's not going to take her three days. And it's like day four and she's like, God damn it. Like I'm, I just got there. Like I just only got another day or so before I got a switch. It doesn't happen that way. So once you're much more flexible, you can get in there in a day, maybe, maybe two. I think you've hit the nail on the head that probably most women in their 40s would be, an alarm bell would have gone off with the brain fog. Mm. I, I think it's, there's still this mystique around perimenopause. And then this idea that if you, well, everyone has a busy life. And if you have children, then that's like, it's like a full-time job on top of whatever else you're doing. And then you're going through all the hormone stuff in yourself and whatever you're eating. And so there's so much going on. So the brain fog can just, I certainly have it. Do you know, my, my daughter said to me the other day, she's like, why don't you ever finish a sentence? <laughs> 
<laughs> or why did I walk into this room? Why, why did I come in this room? Yeah, and it's so mm. true. And I'm like, well, because I'm usually looking at my phone to figure out what the next thing I need to do is in terms of work or what have you. I'm thinking about whatever we need to have for dinner. There's so many facets, and then of course my body's just fogged. So yes, you know yes. it's pretty funny. But I did think I really do struggle sometimes to finish mm. the sentence. Mm. Can you go and get? Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, we don't even say don't worry about it. Just walk off. <laughs> They're just sitting there waiting. Um, so with this also, part of the Betty body, there's movement. Obviously, not it's not just about nutrition. It's sort of as we know. We know that all of the these factors are important. We like to think that they're not. It's easier to think they're not. I'm glad too that you said that, you know, doing that one hour of crazy exercise and then just sitting down for the rest of the time isn't actually that. Well, actually, I have to say that's something that I really noticed. Not to, mm. I know we keep on talking about lockdown and COVID, and, but I actually also noticed that, yeah, okay, I do a workout, but it was the incidental exercise because there yeah. was a period of time where I wasn't treating and it was only a week or two but we at my clinic, it's full of stairs. Yeah, you notice and so going up I and run down up and down the stairs, the stairs yeah. all the time. Mm. And it was really odd. This one day I sat, I'm like, I feel so flat. I feel so mm. without purpose. I feel, I just felt awful. And it really is that incidental mm. walking around the shops, walking around the supermarket, yep. picking the kids up from school, all the little things that we were doing that we weren't suddenly doing says a lot for, I think, what you exactly referring to is you can't just go into an hour of crazy exercise and be done with it. I wanted to talk a little bit about muscle and muscle mass and why that's so important for women. And again, where I got that reference about little men before is like one of the things I heard you say somewhere in a video is like, you're going to push up like a woman. And I'm like, yeah, you are. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean though? Like, I think we look at muscles and we think of men and again, really don't, understand why that's so important for us as women, especially as we get older, how muscle mass is a really important thing. Can we talk about that? Oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite subjects. I'm so (laughs) glad you brought it up. Yes. So I think that for women... You know, one of the things as we get older, as you correctly identified, is our bodies change. You talked about the brain fog, like you start you start sentences, you're like, what was I saying again? So what happens as we age naturally, because we start to, especially towards later, like later stage in menopause, we are starting to see some of these sex hormones decline. So we're starting to see estrogen levels decline, testosterone levels are declining. And we tend to become what's called more insulin insensitive. And what that means is that your cells are not listening to the signaling of insulin as well as they used to. And what happens there is that we start to, if you're someone who wears a continuous glucose monitor or you're someone who monitors your glucose, what you might start to notice is as you move into your mid forties and you know into fifties and beyond that you'll, if you don't do anything like resistance training or building up at least maintaining the muscle mass that you have or improving and building upon it is that your blood glucose is going to become more dysregulated. So of course that puts you into sort of the category of you're putting more stress on the pancreas and we can move into metabolic syndrome and type 2 diabetes and all these different things. So that's one consideration for one reason why we should be lifting. The other one is women become, our muscles actually become more anabolically resistant as well as we age. And that all that means is that our muscles are more reticent or more resistant <laughs> to growth. I don't want so to do we it. have, 
don't want to do it. Not going to do it today. So we have to, we have to be training and there's different ways that we can stimulate muscle growth. We talk about this idea of mechanical stimulus, which is the resistance training. It's the body weight. It's the calisthenics. You can also build muscle in the kitchen. So you can do this through a chemical signal by increasing your protein and activating pathways like mTOR and AMP kinase and all this stuff. But in the, in the context of resistance training, why it's so important. Number one, you're going to build beautiful lean muscle. And I promise like pinky swearsies, you will not turn into the Hulk. This is something (laughs) that always comes up. It's like, am I going to get bulky? And it's like, I don't even know what that means. But even if you tried, like I tried to do that. I was a figure competitor and I was, so figure is like not a bikini. Yeah. So it's not quite bodybuilding. It's not bikini. It's sort of like in In the the middle. middle. So So no walnuts in a stocking, but on the way. That's right. That's right. right. (laughs) And I wanted to build muscle. I was like, I am going to get quads that are, you know, that are going to be revered by the gods, you know? And I was very strong. You know, I was, did really well in that competition, but no matter what I did, I could not build the muscle, you know, unless I started supplementing with exogenous testosterone, which I obviously didn't do. So you cannot get bulky, but what this is going to do is it's going to build upon the muscles that you have. So it's going to either help maintain, hopefully you're building upon the muscles with um, more resistance training. But the other thing that it's going to do is it's also going to help maintain your bone density. So when we think about your skeleton, your skeleton or your musculoskeletal system, they're twins, right? So as your muscles get bigger, so goes the bone. So you are also going to um, mm. uh, encourage dense bones. And for women, I mean, I, I don't know so about important. you, but I, it's so important. We are now in a lower estrogenergic environment and estrogen is a growth hormone. It mm. helps maintain our bones. So as we start seeing decreasing levels of that, as we move into menopause, it's super important for us to be driving. Yeah. Osteoporosis op- scares me. Yeah. And if you actually look at it on x-ray, it's even scarier. It just literally looks like Swiss cheese or like acne on a, you know, on a teenager or something. It just, it's pockmarked. The bone is really pockmarked and it's very fragile. So Mm. any sort of slip or fall is going to hopefully not, you know, render you with a fracture. But of course we know that one of the big reasons that we see older women and older men truly, you know, when they have to go to a nursing home is because they've had this fracture and not to scare anyone, but we also see once you've fractured something like your femur or your hip, there's also, we see a decline in your cognitive ability as well. So there's a really direct correlation between hip fractures and cognitive decline. Most women, yeah, yeah. So we, so resistance, do you think? Well, when you, when you are, when you fracture the bone, there is, well, there's a couple of reasons. Um, one is that the bones are, even though they're the scaffolding of the body, so they sort of keep our organs where they should and they help us move and all of that. They're also involved in the stress response. So they're also involved in the secretion of a hormone called osteocalcin. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a stress response. So when the frac- when you fracture a hip, you are now going to drive your body into this acute stress response. So there's going to be cortisol and adrenaline and norepinephrine and all of these different drivers. And when you are in this sympathetic state, so you have this, when we think about the nervous system, there's sort of your fight or flight, which is we call our sympathetics. 
and our parasympathetics, which are our kind of rest, digest, stay and play. But you're overactivating the sympathetic system. And there's sort of a flip. There's like a switch point where cortisol now doesn't have this, you know, brilliant feedback loop where it helps you get away from the perceived threat. But now we start to see decline in the hippocampus, which is an area for learning and memory. We have difficulty retrieving our memories when there's too much cortisol. So it has these deleterious effects on both the brain mass, like the total volume of the brain gets smaller, but also it will, it will impact the areas that are involved in cognition and thinking. So the frontal lobe, the hippocampus, yeah, so That's it's really it's very, very, very important. I think maintaining yeah. things is really important, isn't mm. it? Getting to a point where we can maintain this for our life as women, looking at the next, mm-hmm. you know, 30 or 40 years and being able to set ourselves up for, for that is important. I was talking, having a conversation yesterday with my parents and my uncle and aunt, auntie, and he was saying that at around 60 years of age, he went through a phase where, maybe before that, but we are talking about how when you don't repetitively do something, you can lose it. And we were talking about also as you get older, you know, they say old men shouldn't climb ladders, old men shouldn't drive cars. But I was like, well, is it because all of a sudden the less you do of it, the less response and that cognition declines and we're not looking after ourselves? And he said he went through a period of time when he was around 60 where he was like, oh, he'd climb a ladder and he was like, oh, this isn't good. I really need to stop doing this. But he said that he also reached a point where he just kept on doing it and doing it and doing it to where now he's like, I'm fine again. I'm 67. I'm fine. I get up on the ladder. It's no problem. But there was definitely this moment in time he Mm. pushed through it. But I also wonder whether what else was paused within that period of time where things did decline. And so I think it's so important that as women, we set up the framework, which is what you've been talking about and obviously what your book speaks to in detail. And then we can have this level of maintenance that is a bit flexible that allows us to kind of, you know, with the ebbs and flows with our lives because nothing's rigid, which then does give us this long-term. I, I think that we lack at looking at the long-term. I really think we think about the now, how do I feel today? How do I want to feel tomorrow? But do I we agree. really think about beyond that mm. and, and setting ourselves up for a smooth transition through menopause and beyond? Because again, menopause has become this illness almost that doesn't need to be that way. But because we haven't set ourselves up now, we are going to pay consequences if we don't do that. It's just, again, it's your body responding to the environment. So I love this conversation Mm -hmm. and I love what your book is going to offer us because we can actually think about today and beyond that. I think your uncle is like the definition of neuroplasticity, right? Right. And it's available for all of us. (laughs) He can be the bird. He's a male Betty. He's a male Betty. Yeah. (laughs) He's a birdie. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I love that because I think that we think as we move into menopause that now we're going to be this dowdy, shriveled version of ourselves. And it doesn't have to be that way. You, I mean, I I know that it's, it's, it was a while back, but last year, the Super Bowl halftime show was given by a JLo and Shakira. I don't know if you guys caught it, but that was such a pivotal moment for me. I was like, oh my God, these women, very close to menopause, if not, you know, maybe JLo at that point was past it. And that is redefining. I mean, maybe you don't have to do a halftime show if you're you know, 50, <laughs> but you own. can. You can do your own in the bar. You can your do your own halftime show. Exactly. <laughs> 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 I mean, the world is your oyster. It's really what you define for yourself. So if you want to be strong into your 50s and 60s and beyond, of course, your body is designed to adapt. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most beautiful 
machines ever created. And if you want to be strong, then just set out and do it. I like that. Strength. So good. I think aiming to be a strong person is a really yeah. good way of, of... Healthy and strong. Yeah, and, and good words. Yeah. You know, it's not thin, it's not fad, it's strong is good. Oh, oh. I just chuck my pen around. Throw Sorry. it around. Throw it out. Agreed. Too excited. Uh, <laughs> we'll put all the details of where everyone can access you and yeah. the book and everything. And one other question I was going to say, nope, it's gone. Go I'll, on, find we'll it. all the questions. No, 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 all good. <laughs> you got it. Come oh on. She's done the thing with the yeah. half a sentence. I Look. done the thing with the half a sentence. You brain fogged. If your listeners are interested in any way, I'd love to actually gift them with a four-week keto cycling, like what keto cycling actually looks like. So I'll give you that link. You can put it in the show notes. Um, so you can sort of see what week one might look like, week two, week three. And we've these are recipes that I've concocted in my Ooh, kitchen. I'm going to look at that. Um, yeah, I'll send that over to you. So Amazing. you can do that. The book is called The Betty Body, A Geeky Goddess's Guide to Intuitive Eating, Balanced Hormones, and Transformative Sex. So oh we gosh, can find that. Oh gosh, this is a bonus. We, we didn't even it. touch on that it. bit. Oh my goodness. <laughs> goodness. Thank you so much for today. This has been <laughs> awesome. To come back for that bit. <laughs> I know, right? Um, <laughs> Cecilia, before we go, guess what I found? Oh, no. Don't tell me. Is there a review? There is a review. Go on. Sorry. And we just want to invite anyone who feels so called mm. to come and leave a review and some five stars. I'm just we saying the five stars. sorry to Dr. Stephanie because oh. I love it when our guests have to sit and listen to us talk about how, how much our listeners have enjoyed us laughing at each other. Go on. What do they say? Okay. So it says, oh, it's cut off. I can't read the whole thing. Interesting, practical and F. <laughs> it says something else. Good. Fun. I'm going to say it says fun. Interesting, practical and fun. Love your podcast. We're in the middle of doing renovations at the moment and nothing keeps me going as much as knowing I can pop in my AirPods and listen to some really helpful and insightful sessions all with a dash of humour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's because we laugh at ourselves most oh, well, of the time. You know what? I don't understand people with no sense of humour. I know. Who I know. are those people? I don't know. Anyway, if you are listening, we'd love to see where you're listening. Yes. Take a screenshot, send it through to yep. the Wellness Collective podcast mm-hmm. on Instagram. And I think that's it. I think that is it. Mm. I, my head's just gone today. I love it when we meet a guest that I, you know, really have my mind blown by. And you today, Dr. Stephanie, have done exactly that. Thank you. And looking forward to seeing the four-week keto yes. diet plan and... Yeah, and uh, good like times. Say, good times. I'm speechless. I can't be. We've got more people to talk to. Yeah, we today. do. Okay. Well, until <laughs> next time, we do hope that this episode has left you feeling happier, healthier, and better. 